Welcome to Unashamed Unafraid, a show unashamed about sexual addiction recovery and unafraid of coming into Christ for healing. Where we talk about real recovery stories, answer anonymous questions with experts, and share resources that actually work. I'm your host, Steve. And I'm your co-host, James. And we are Unashamed Unafraid. James. What's up, Steven? Um, I feel like the point I brag about with us uh-huh. is that we are real and vulnerable, but not vomity. Yeah, I agree. And um, so if you don't know, now you know. We recorded an episode with Daniel Burgess. We took it down. Won't Correct. get all to it here in the intro. Yeah. And uh, Daniel and I ended up having this total real conversation on the phone. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, we should have this conversation as an episode and really step into this whole thing. So don't have to put a bunch of details here. Um, but, uh, we left you in the dust. Totally. And it felt appropriate that I didn't interject. Uh, cause it was like, this was your conversation. This was what you guys had on the phone. I was like, I had some things. I'm like, no, this is, this is you guys. And so yeah. I just kind of sat back and I'm like, I'm going to let yep. them have the conversation they need to have. Yep. And so when we had the conversation of kind of getting on the phone and, and reconciling, right, why why we took his post down and the views between. So the the one thing I'll say up front, it had nothing to do with how he practices professionally. It no, was, no, it was reputation and how he shows up professionally. And that is what it was around. And then, um, so I get on this phone call and I'm like, this guy's either a tool and this phone call is going to be one minute. I'm gonna be like, cool, dude, you can hate us. Don't care. Um, or like he and I are about to get like super for real at a soul level and connect on some things. And I'll just an episode aside, but, uh, got super real. And so I I put this disclaimer because this is different than a normal episode for us where it's like, Hey, here's a professional on, this is what we're doing. Like this was about repair Mm -hmm. and understanding and seeing and, and holding space and feeling like, between me and Daniel and this experience we had, because like we did not start off on the right foot and has not gone well. <laughs> so, right. And so the reason I say that is like, we're so easy to be like, someone offend me, run away, never have the conversation. Something's gone wrong. This is over. And I think this is really good evidence that repair is so possible and so healing. Right. I mean, to me, this, uh, you just model for anybody who's listening, what repair can look like, what being authentic and vulnerable in a difficult time, which Daniel or space super was, can be right, or having an open heart and non-judgmental when sometimes we want to react that way, right? Which I wasn't at first, but I got around to, right? And so <laughs> own some of mine, right? And then yeah. you know, in the end, with you know, ultimately both of you owning your folly, your mistake in it all, right? Mm-hmm. And then being able to just say I'm sorry, and then it's all okay. And right. so it's what being unashamed is all about. So if you would like to help us with our mission, you can go to unashamedandafraid.com slash donate. We are a nonprofit. Those donations go to fund scholarships in which if you are in need of a scholarship to help with recovery efforts and healing from trauma, you can go to unashamedandafraid.com slash scholarships. Invite you to give us five stars on iTunes so the world can find us. Send us anonymous questions. If you have a great addiction recovery story, we would love to hear about it. So send us an email. Let us know. Reach out to us. Whole team's here. I'm going to quit talking because KF on Leading Saints said our intros are too long. So we're in the studio with Daniel Burgess. Daniel Burgess. Hello. 
How are you? I'm doing well. Thank you. Um, what you don't know is that Daniel and I were connecting on motorcycles. Um, he arrived here on a motorcycle. I was stopped, just just to be clear. So so I think well so I think this is the first you're the first guest we've had who arrived via motorcycle. I'll take it. I'll so take award, it. well done. Yeah. Is that an award? James, or up your game, please. Yeah, there's, there's Quit a, showing up in your car. <laughs> there's a, you know, we're, we've just been breaking new ground all over the place um, here at Unashamed and Afraid, and here we go with another one. Love it. Motorcycle showing Love it. up. Yep. So, Daniel, for people who don't know you, introduce yourself, paint yourself into context for mm-hmm. people who may not know you. Well, I'm a marriage and family therapist, uh, originally out of California. I'm now located in uh, Utah, and I serve both California and Utah now. I'm licensed here. Work predominantly with couples, but also early on got involved with a lot of porn and sex out of control behavior and Mm -hmm. have thrived, loved it. Working with that dynamic, with that demographic has been a really rewarding experience for me. But that's what I've been doing for about a decade now. Awesome. Awesome. Um, and so, uh, i our relationship has just been a ride, right? Uh, yeah, that's a great way to put it. it it's been, uh, cause I was thinking of the motorcycle that was, so I hope everyone sees my cleverness. Um, so, uh, so the, uh, this is, I, I'm stumbling because I'm like, there's just so much to talk about. I'm not sure, sure where to start. Just so, jump in. so here's this. So here's our story, right? So we're, Chris knows you, finds you in, um, f- from some way, oh, right? that's right. That's for right. Former. So Chris reaches out, right? Everyone on the Unashamed team will, will source content. So he reaches out and uh, that night I leave early and I say, hey, Chris and James, you can record this episode, record this episode. So episodes on shame, right? You come on talk about your methods, which some real gems in there, by the way, which I want to comment on that. Right. And we have that. And so, right. As a team, we sit down and we're like, we want to talk about shame. He kind of talked about his stuff. So it's different than we wanted, but we're like, you know, like what he had to say was, was good. And I think really helpful for recovery and do this. So, right. We're going to post it. Um, and then a couple, we reach out to me that are like, that's interesting. You did a post with Daniel Burgess. <laughs> yeah. Like kind of like, uh, like on the reputation oh, yeah. side. So it wasn't a professional thing, like, mm-hmm. like his method or what he said, it was this guy as a professional. So I want to make that clear, right? Is that we're not about to have a conversation about the how to's or mechanics of what right. makes a good therapist right. or not, or what does recovery really look like mm-hmm. or getting rid of sexual behavior. So it was like on like the professional side. And so I'm like, okay, that's interesting you know, whatever we posted, it, all things happen. So then I have this come up again later and I'm like, I don't know what this is about, but like, I just don't even want to have this conversation. So I'm done having this conversation, which I'll own my air did not reach out to you. So I just take the episode down mm-hmm. and I say, look, here's a way we can quit arguing about this. Just quit talking about it. So just take the episode down. No one's going to ask me about it. Right. And because I don't know anything about you. I hadn't reached out. I don't know your story. My thought is he ain't even going to notice. This guy's rocking and rolling. He's, he's, he's doing a bunch of big things. Right. And so this is going to be no big deal. Right. Right. And so right there, like within 24 hours, right. Notice. Right. So, so someone contacts me and says, Hey, he's brought up on your Facebook, like, WTF unashamed, like taking my, right. Like you're giving into this bully and I don't know why you're doing that. And, you know, invite people to reach out to mm-hmm. me, which I did. You got four or five emails from people that are like, Hey, Daniel stuff's really good. Mm-hmm. I don't know where you're siding with the other guy. What's the deal. Yeah, right. And then, mm-hmm. which is always in which I would totally not respond. And, um, where I will tell you is you reach out to me directly 
and I get an email from you and you're like, hey, messed up what you did, messed up you're not having a conversation with me, I want to get heard, and so mm-hmm. give me a call if you want to go down Main Street. And as you now know me now, we do a lot of going down Main Street, yes. ashamed and afraid. And so, and people on my team were like, hey, we've had a couple people say things on Instagram. We got one super weird one that was totally troll, which I, I don't think was you and nothing you're in control of, right? But people are people, right? And so they they pick camp sometimes and that's an identity, that whole nother, we could do a whole post about that, oh my whole goodness, episode yeah. about that, right? So, so my team's like, whatever, I'm like, look, this is really simple. He emailed me. I got his cell phone. I'm going to call him and we're going to have a conversation. And that's it. And if the dude's a total tool, we'll never talk again. And he can walk around saying whatever he wants to say about unashamed, unafraid. And if we've missed something, so I remember specifically being on a call with Chris and I'm like, Chris, out of all the mistakes you and I have made, we're going to be the ones to just cast the first stone and not have a conversation. Like exactly. the yeah. affairs, this, I'm, like, I'm like, so if anyone's willing to make repair and be like, we probably did it wrong, I think we're the guys, right? Like we're the group. So um, so in that, we have we do have some mutual contacts and friends. Yes. Um, one who uh, I will name here, Jessica Holfeltz, just because she freaking balls hard and mm-hmm. is awesome. So if you're looking for a good therapist, sex therapist, she's, amazing. She, she's really amazing. So look up Jessica Holfeltz. Shout out, Jessica. Hope you're listening. And um, so I talked to Jessica kind of like some other people, what people don't know about me is previous careers in commercial real estate. So I spent a lot of time looking at legal stuff, finding people who don't want to be found. Information digging is like a little bit of a skill set I gained from previous career. So I get into it and I'm like, oh, okay. I, I get why he would be sensitive about this. Mm-hmm. This is, this is bigger picture. Yes. And so I'll let you kind of speak into yeah, I, what what the what happened, and we don't need all like you don't have to get into all the details, minutiae, sure. but but right, step into us like about what is it that I didn't know that I found out. Yeah, and I, I really appreciated that conversation for for many reasons. Some of what you brought up, and you're right. In, in any other circumstances, I would have been hey, total business decision or personal decision, whatever. Have no issue with it. But you've got a previous wound. Oh, big, big. And and this this has been the interesting thing in learning how to navigate. And I've I've talked with so many people on how do I address this? Mm -hmm. Uh, Because when I started doing what I do, I was really excited. I found an approach that I saw changing people's lives. Mm -hmm. And I came out hot and heavy. Uh, I I don't think I ever was... um, um, It's interesting because people kind of like what you're saying. When they finally meet me, they say, wow, you're actually a nice guy. Well, there's a few things that are kind of behind that. One, I'm ADHD. I'm dyslexic. I'm a horrible written communicator. Uh, that's not an excuse. That's a reality. And so when I got online, I stated things very bluntly, very directly. Uh, I'm a very empathetic person. Online, man, I could tie myself up in words. Just if you ever read something unedited from me <laughs> it's it's pretty messy and and again that's not an excuse p.s james is over here laughing because i can't even get a sentence out on an email <laughs> without someone reviewing it <laughs> so and it's painful i yeah. I've, that's one pain and that's kind of indirectly related uh but kind of sparked a lot of where this came from and so people got a certain view of me early on and had that professional or personal view of me and started to attack me. And it was pretty rough. And I I have a, a belief that I don't respond to things like this at all. Then it started to snowball. And then people started manufacturing lies. And as you as you've seen in your own work, yeah. is yep. trolls are out there. What do I do? This is a new experience. How do I handle yeah. this? 
in an un, any other circumstance, totally, of course, you get to do whatever you want to do with your podcast. This is your thing. In fact, yeah. recently, I had to make a tough decision to remove somebody else's uh, a podcast. And that was that was my decision. I did reach out to the person, let them know why. Uh, but that was my decision. I don't think I had to do that. And I didn't think you had to do that. Um, the personal hurt, the, the, the wound wasn't even personal towards you. It was, oh, totally. how do I stop this? Yeah. I've got a few people who are literally following everything I do to take it down. And as soon as I do an interview, they're going on and they're saying I'm tied to Pornhub. I'm like, gosh, show me the money. Show me the money. If that's not, not to make light of that, there's right. no direct, I'm not involved with that so, at all. Yeah. That's so, my, so if we were to put, cause I want to make sure people get some clarity around this, right? Sure. Um, so what, what I, the way I would, the analogy I would interpret it is your is right. You get in, into the ring of recovery and you're like, awesome. Mm-hmm. I'm, I'm loving this. I'm doing it coming in hot. Right. Hashtag Lily Cray song, Andy Mineo. It's dope. And, um, <laughs> right. So coming in hot. So you get in there and you bump elbows with a couple people mm-hmm. and, and as you have moved in, right in your career move, you're like, oh yeah, I maybe wouldn't have done that the way I did that. But they turn around and they're like, oh, now it's a TKO thing. So now I need to punch your lights out. And you're like, oh, I thought, I thought this was a two and now this is a 10. And so to your point, right? Like mm-hmm. I can't respond to something that's a two because c- like you're coming at me at a 10 now. So my option to just stay at two has now kind of been taken mm-hmm. for me. Exactly. I think it's a great way of putting it. And so it's, what do I do? How do I move forward? Do I ignore it and, and see and a lot of these people, I want to make it clear, these aren't just random trolls online. In fact, some of them I I admire, believe it or not. I yeah. actually have a lot of respect. I'm not going to throw names out there. Um, and that actually made it a lot more painful. For sure. I totally respect that they may never want me on their program. Have no issue with that. Um but it hurts. It, 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 they have a certain view of me, and I'm not just referring to one person, but these are people I would consider who have a lot of decision-making power. And it's one thing to have a, a you know a personal view or understanding of who somebody else is, but then to impact their work from it, that's hard. That's really hard. And, and if it's one-off, two-off maybe, okay, I can move past that. that. That's no biggie. In fact, that's, it. I would have to say, in fact, you were the first person that I actually reached out to. Mm-hmm. Um, one, because your podcast had influenced so many people. In fact, I used it to refer a lot of state presidents, uh, church leadership and, and so forth to it. Um, and it was actually church leadership who reached out to me and says, this was taken down. I had just referred it off to one of my um, mm-hmm. um People um, they can find it. Yeah. 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 And uh and is everything okay or 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 they revamping yeah. it? And it was immediate because they were they were using it. And so yeah. anyway, um and so I reached out, kind of taking a risk there, uh, thinking, okay, h- how many times is this gonna happen? I, I'm gonna reach out to you guys. I think you guys are reasonable. I was hurting. There's a lot of other things going on in my life. I had to relocate because of some of this stuff. Uh it, it's escalated to a point that that even my family is getting scared and concerned, uh, the threats yeah. and, and contacts. And, um, and so a lot of things were happening. I reached out uh, definitely in the moment and, 
in my view, I, I felt like I was handling that pretty darn well. I could go back and look at, yeah, I could definitely change that language. But yeah, what do I do? How do I do this it, 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 without my reputation being totally... In fact, I had somebody I still consider my hero in this line of work. Um, she came into my group and this person I just admired and um, she chastised me. She condemned me. She said, I'm leading people to hell. I'm like, what are you talking about? I, I got people who are returning to the faith, do not see the work, do not yeah. see the seeds or the fruit of, of that work. Uh, people are having stronger marriages. People are ending porn. People are ending sex, uh, sex addiction behavior. And after years, if not decades of this behavior, why would you do that? This is so harmful. What am I doing in my personality that is communicating to you that I'm, I'm this person that I'm not? Yeah, yeah. Well, and and filling in like the other side of that story, right? For me, so right, I get which is where our conversation went, right? So I get the email from you, and you're like, "Hey, you didn't give me a voice. You're not even listening. You're giving into these other people." Which I'm like, I don't even know who these other people are because I haven't looked any of it up <laughs> yet, right? I'm like, I'm like, I don't know who this is. I'm listening to, but like, they're either getting me in my sleep or what, right? So, and obviously, of course, when I mean, even when we get critical feedback, that's supposed to be positive. We all flinch a little bit, right? Yeah. Like that's human nature. And so, and so, my first thought is, I'm like, so this guy is getting mad at me because I haven't given him a voice and I took his podcast episode down and he didn't ask me why I did it and didn't give me a voice. So he's like getting on me. He's doing to me what he's mad that people are doing to him. I'm like, this doesn't sit well with me. I'm not happy about this, but I'm like, no, he's willing to talk. And so my thought going into our conversation, I'm like if I get on the phone with this guy and he thinks he's a hundred percent right about everything, this conversation is going to go for about one minute. I'm going to go, great, have fun being right about everything. We'll mm -hmm. talk later. And so that's the one part I want to own, like that That really I felt like is the first place we connected with our heart that I was like, I don't think you've done this perfect. And you were like, oh, for sure. Mm -hmm. And I've made these mistakes early in my career and things I would have done differently. And now I still feel like I'm making some mistakes around it. And I just, like, I can't get an audience. Like, I can't. So the word that came to me was like processing, right? Like I would like to process some of this stuff around me and I don't have that option. Mm -mm. And that was felt so real to me and which is why I wanted to do this episode with you and talk about it out loud because how many of us feel that way? about things, mm -hmm. right? Like how many of us have, you know, I mean, I've, I've a, it's very I have, a, I have a grandfather who's a child molester. I'm like, I don't ever get to have that conversation. And the dude's in his nineties and he's going to be gone. Like I never get to sit with him and my grandma and be like, why? Like why in our family system? Like, and I know you have a story and there's for sure abuse and all this stuff, but like, I will never have that conversation. Right. And one of the most heartbreaking emails that we'll get is from a spouse of someone who has struggled, right. With sexually compulsive behavior affairs. And they say they left in the middle of the night. It's been three years now, five years now. Wow. I have no closure. There's no conversation. I can't make sense of it. Like what? So how am I supposed to put this together from here? And I, and I know people who are in addiction recovery who feel unheard and unseen by a church leader yep. who feel unheard and unseen in the, ther I, I mean, I know one instance that they were super harmed by a therapist, right? Both couples came in, she had a story, he had a story. Right. And because he's the one with, you know, mm -hmm. porn addiction, he's clearly the one that's lying. She was totally lying. She was having a freaking affair. Oh yeah. And so the therapist takes her side 
So the therapist gets turned, which uh, no therapist is perfect, no judgment, no big deal. But like, here's this guy who he is the permanent bad guy, but like, he's the one who's being lied to and being harmed. And so as we were talking, I'm just like, you are in a process right now, right? Professionally and with this, that like you are getting a lot of practice at working (laughs) on this issue. And in my opinion, I think that your heart and your intent is really good. You're not walking around saying I'm right. Everyone's wrong. You're not. And, and, um, and, and I think to own your not perfectness in the current. Right. And so to me, I'm like, this is a conversation that should be had out loud. One, I'm like, cause our conversation was so beautiful. I'm like, I think the world should hear this conversation you and I had cause you were crying and I was crying. And I'm like, this is, this is what repair looks like. Like I want to put Sam back. This is what repair looks like. Yes. Cause you and I could have always hated each other and showed up at a conference and been like, Oh, Daniel Burgess, let me tell you that dude doesn't even know. And you could be like those unashamed guys in that Steve Shields, they don't even know. Right. And we could, and it could have been this thing all the time or whatever. And it's like, but you invited me into a real conversation. My heart was open to doing that without bringing a bunch of prejudgment. And I feel like we had this beautiful connection. Thank you. And so like, what, what have you learned and what have you been doing that you feel like, like you want to share with your heart and the world? Like, this is how you handle a situation like this. This this has been the, the macro approach, I, I guess, if I could put it that way, my background is economics, business, finance, st- statistics. So I often make those those uh, analogies. But this macro approach, in a micro approach, I have I teach couples how to recover. We all get to have a messy day. We all get to have a bad day, and that's that's where we we set each other up for failures. We we demand a certain level of perfection, mm-hmm. and when we don't see it, I, I call it sign seeking. Typically, the spouse will then say, "See." I can't trust you. Uh, instead, mm-hmm. we need to change that dynamic around and build on successes, not identifying failures. This works beautifully when when instituted correctly in a relationship. It allows for each person to recover, no matter how bad their day is, no matter where they're at, because we may be going on four hours of sleep. We may be struggling or whatnot. Here, I'm stepping into a macro experience where can I use this approach? I could definitely forgive the people who are aggressively attacking me. Have no issues with that. I, I'm sure they're having a bad day, a bad year, bad life. I love what you said on the phone. Pain drives this. It, it, it's all a source of pain. And, and I'll speak to that personally. My bad decisions are often driven by pain. Sometimes they're out of a maybe... Uh, uh, an overzealous approach, uh, not necessarily pain, but more lately than not has been pain. It's, it's okay. I can forgive these people, but how do I get them to stop? Or how do I even bother with getting them to stop with their attacks on me? Cause it's taken a toll. It's taken a toll on me. Right. It's taken a toll on my family. It's taken a toll on my work. Um, and so the struggle to answer your question is how do I do this? Do I engage? Do I disengage? Do I allow them to have a messy day, even though it's, where does boundaries come in here? Well, and that, and that's the word that came to my mind because I'm like, there's boundaries, right? And there's certain places where I can super clearly do boundaries, right? So like some point in time, Jason might set a boundary with me and say, I'm not editing hours and hours and hours of audio 
and having you guys call me the day before and being like, oh, by the way, we had to have that episode tomorrow. So can you just find four hours right now? Yeah, At some point yeah. in time, Jason may say Hard. a boundary and um, not deal with that with me anymore, right? And I think those are like the cleaner situations, right? Where it can be like, hey, that boss is never going to treat you fairly. So you get a new job, right? Mm-hmm. Or this is never a place where you're going to be safe in this relationship. So we're probably at a divorce, right? Mm-hmm. Where we have those clean moments, the walk away. right? Yeah. With the walk away or like a clean break. But I think what is the beauty about the pain that you're experiencing is I think we all experience pain where the walking away just ain't an option. Nope. And that's one, like, so at Onsite, one of the programs that gets run at Onsite is Life After Loss. Mm-hmm. And the truth is they actually have a hard time having the guides want to do that program because it's so heavy. Because it's like, so sit with these. So the Life After Loss program is for parents who've lost a child. Oh, right, right, right. And so it's like, so sit with these parents whose son committed suicide, whose daughter drowned or whatever, and tell them restoration, repair. It's going to be like, how do you repair that, right? Like that's a pain they're going to live with forever. Mm -hmm. I think of, right, so, right, we have Chris sitting here in the background. Like Chris and I have a conversation about his fatherless. Like his, his father committed suicide. So fatherlessness is something, a pain he's going to feel his whole life. Every time something happens, every Father's Day, every grandpa should have been here, every moment. So I think there's a lot of different ways that this happens, right? I mean, you're talking, right, for you, it's been professionally and in, in, in this like larger sense, right? In this relationship with these people who just want to have a problem. And, but like, how do we, and I don't know that I fully have the answer, right? Like, how do we, I don't know. how do we hold space for that pain when it's an ongoing, when it's not something I can clear, it's not something I can just process. Because your point, I can process forgiveness. I've forgiven my grandpa. I've forgiven some people who have harmed me. And if I can kick boundaries and make safety, but how do we, like, how do you, I mean, you're doing it now, right? Like, how do you not let that pain take you out of showing up vulnerably for your family, showing up vulnerably for your clients, showing up, like, how are you still showing up in spite of the pain. I wasn't for a while. That's how bad it was. Yeah. Um, I haven't shared this uh, publicly yet. So in uh, uh, last year, uh, September, I actually checked myself in for uh, suicidal ideation, uh, which was not um, anything I've ever experienced. Uh, and I knew the signs. I knew the warning uh, signals and um, knew how much my wife could and couldn't do. And she was an angel during. Sorry, I wasn't actually uh, expecting, anticipating sharing this. Um, yeah, I, I wasn't showing up. And it wasn't just about my work. It was isolating and scary. And I'm not one to shake easy. Uh, I've grown up in some very difficult situations um, and difficult neighborhoods. And life doesn't scare me. It scared me um, yeah. with the amount of the attacks, the threats, um, and the perceptions that were being shared about me. And I felt like there was nothing I can do. 
And it wasn't just, if it was just about my reputation, I literally had people taking pictures of my wife, not uh, taking pictures, but uh, uh, taking pictures from online and posting them on their websites and creating these fabricated stories about her and about my family. It's just now it's affecting my family. And mm. that, that right there hurt because so what? It's me. You know what? I People can view me however they want to view me. And, and I'll, I'll admit that that's hard. To, it was getting to a point that was hard. Well, and it's only the professional you. Right. Fair. Yeah. Yeah. Anytime somebody actually meets me, they're like, oh, like I was saying at the beginning, I I joke about it because people will say, you're actually a nice guy. What made you think I wasn't? (laughs) Well, I heard this or that. I'm like, yeah, I I get it. And I think that was the struggle for me because it was now impacting my family in a very negative and scary way. I had no power to change that. And that I talk about feeling helpless or which became hopelessness. And I had anybody I talked to didn't have an answer. It was usually throughout my life, you know, career decisions or personal decisions. You usually talk to people who've been through it and they can kind of guide you or uh, support you in some way or give you some nugget of, of, of insight. This, I didn't seem to be able to get any guidance on this. How do I do this? And my family was amazing. They were absolutely amazing, but there was an extent to which they can help too, or couldn't help. And I had to address that. I had to get help. Well, and the, and the, um, the part I want to just like, if, if like people listening aren't putting this together is the, the, like the, I'm trying to think of the word to say, cause like hypocrisy is not the right word, but like you're a freaking therapist, right? Like you help the people with the thing. Right. Um, and so, uh, I'm, I mean, I'm pretty public about my sobriety. Right. And, um, and, uh, I was, I was talking to, you know, my therapist and I was like, um, right. Who's a, you know, mentor of mine in the space. And, you know, like you're saying, and I was like, do I need to wait till I'm like, two years completely sober before I start practicing as a therapist. <laughs> and they're like, no, no, no it doesn't Jump matter. Right, in. right. And then what's been interesting is that, um, a lot of my, cli- I can't speak. Every client knows my, right. But a lot of, I've listened to your story or I've heard, right. Or that's how they found me or whatever. And, uh, they don't care. And I one time had a client, he's like, so how sober are you right now? And I kind of look away and I answer him. I remember was the time like, Oh, it's been like four months or so. Like, you know, I kind of look away and he's like, you like looked away. And in that moment I owned it with him. I'm like, Oh, because I'm totally ashamed because my script is that as a therapist, I should have it all together. And that's just the truth in the profession, mm-hmm. right? Like we should have it all together. And so I think there's an added layer of shame. Very much so. To, to that, like, you're one of the helpers. Mm-hmm. Like, we, what, you're going to check in and ask yourself the questions, right, on the PDQ-9? And they're like, you know what I mean? So it's like, so so I just think in case everyone didn't see that, like, there's another layer of difficulty there for you as a helping professional mm-hmm. to admit you need help, which is frankly why a lot of therapists don't get help. Which, which And as amazing as the hospital was, the, the counselors there really didn't know how to address my situation. This was unique to them. It was out of the norm. So it would even felt more isolating. Yeah. And it, it, going back to what you, you mentioned earlier, you know, how, how do we make this work? For me, I would make that space for anybody, not just because I'm a therapist, but because that's who I am. 
I don't hold grudges. I don't, again, I, I truly believe people get to have a bad day. People get to make mistakes, but why wasn't people, why weren't people allowing me to recover? Why weren't people allowing me to give my side? Why are they holding on to this idea that is in most cases entirely wrong? In some cases, mostly wrong. <laughs> you know, it's just sparked from some truth and just been fabricated, but yet they've branded me this way. And it's not like a client where maybe you're having a difficult client or maybe they're emotionally draining. That that, that could be isolating. You could set boundaries, you could, you know, set sessions or or, or whatever. This was constant, constant. And so I, I know this isn't really an answer, but it is kind of the answer is I didn't, I, I wasn't able to show up and I didn't know how to deal with that. And so I had to get my own help. I had to recognize that. And I fought that. I didn't, I knew how to handle this. I helped people handle this. Right. Why couldn't I pull myself out of that emotional ditch? Uh, it was very, very scary and it was spiraling downward. And fortunately I was able to get some of the help that I needed. It wasn't all there. And it, in fact, it, it woke me up to just, boy, how, uh, I don't want to get on a side topic, but as I went through that experience at the hospital, they're amazing. But how far we have to go in really yeah. providing oh, yeah. people who have suicidal ideation, who have addictions, the, the real support that they need. Yeah. Sometimes it feels like a turnstile. And, um, but uh Anyway, I, that's a, an additional right, thought. Tang but I, but I like what you said because, um, just you didn't show up. No, and and that's the part of the story that people don't want to see. And so I had, and I don't want to share, <laughs> and I don't want to share. So I had, yeah. I had a moment, um, you know, in my own just career as a as a professional where I had some things change, and I had, I had some, frankly, some betrayal, um, in relationships that were like totally blindsided into me, really shocked me, um, were very different than I thought they were. And I was like, whoa, you know? And I remember I was sitting in the real low of this um, and uh, my, one of my, you know, good brothers, Kurt Frankham, leading mm -hmm. saints, if you know. He's a good guy. Good guy. And I was sitting, he said, you know, Steve, he's like, as you turn up, right, in your therapy career and speaking and all that. And people are like, oh, wow, you know, and, and you do the best-selling book or whatever it is that you do. These are the chapters that no one reads. Mm -hmm. These are the chapters that don't make the cut. These are the chapters that aren't in the two-hour movie that it's like, it's a miracle and it all happens, right, of this. Because just, yeah, experiencing, you know, just the out of control, right? And, the, and, and I think, um, you know, it, you didn't say it word for word, but the permission to not be okay. And that's not a giving up. That's not a rolling over. That's not, you didn't say, okay, fine, I'll pack up my bag. I'll never practice again. Maybe you thought that at certain points, oh, right? For oh, sure. Yeah. Um, I but, sure did. but it's, but it's to, it's okay. You know, and people say it's okay to not be okay. But like, as you're talking about it now, I'm like, no, that's what not being okay looks like. Mm -hmm. Like not being okay, not being okay is not like, oh, I broke my one month sobriety, but I'll get back on the bus. I'm not minimizing that. That's a real experience. Mm -hmm. But the real, that thing I'm not telling anyone, that place I need to go that I'm not willing to go to actually hold that space, you know, to be there. And it, and it tells me about your journey because you'll talk about it out loud. I think what hit me the hardest over the last year is in maybe got me out of that 
I don't know how to put it because you don't get somebody out of that funk, right? It's not a funk. It's it's a real dark, scary place. Yeah. And and I thought I understood it working with my clients and maybe with some life experiences, but until you've actually experienced it, and what maybe jolted me in a path kind of in getting out of that ditch. So my family, um, my family of origin, my, uh, growing up, yeah, I was yeah. always called Danny. So my wife turns to me and she says, I miss Danny. Mm. The free spirit, the energetic, the passionate, um, where is he? And I didn't have an answer. Um, I could even see that Danny, the thing that got me to where I am, helping so many people and bringing them joy and happiness and ending their struggle. I had lost my light, which was interesting because I was doing Aside from having bad days or, again, not to minimize, you know, my missteps or, or yeah. ways I could improve, but, you know, I'm a faithful, dedicated, devout member of my church. I practice religiously. I keep my covenants and, and I have faith. And yet I was having the darkest time of my life and I couldn't. Yeah. I, what got me on this journey? I'm going to make this analogy because it's, it's, it's or this parallel because it's just coming to me right now. So it may be a little messy, but when I saw my first client, I was in in clinics and I was in a uh, uh, she wasn't my first my first uh, addiction client, and she came in. She's like, I have nowhere else to go. I'm serving in my my temple, my faith. I'm active, but I don't think God lives. I don't because if my faith can't end this, then either. I don't have faith or God doesn't exist. She was ready to leave and she'd been fighting for 15 years. And I says, we're going to figure this out. And I was there with her from, from the beginning to the end. In my experience, I was having that same experience where she was this faithful, devout, and I saw this, and she was losing that joy mm -hmm. in life. Even though she was doing everything to the best of her ability, I was doing that. And I was finally realizing, was this what she was feeling? Mm. Oh, my goodness. Yeah. And that's a scary place because when you feel like you're doing it all right, um, at least coming to faith and, and life principles and skills, definitely I'm imperfect. Why am I not recovering? Well, that's the helplessness, right? Oh, like, big that's time. The, I mean, I mean, how many how many people have one we've had on the show that you've sat down with that I've sat down with that there? I just had someone a couple weeks ago. They're like, I've done all the recovery things, <laughs> yeah, and nothing's yeah. happened and nothing's worked. Correct. And I'm like, yep. Yeah. And I get it, right? I mean, like being someone I'm like, yep, yeah, uh huh. Like, work the twelve steps. I'm 100 percent honest, and I still have. Right, this moment or this dark feeling or this helplessness, right? Like, say, I've, you know, I've had, um, you know, some tough stuff this year myself too, right? That I'm just like, I feel like I'm on, and, and this is the part we haven't talked about yet that I, I want to lean into with you is um, just because, so I, I use the words from 
uh, you know, I'm a big Christian hip hop guy. So I always talk about being really on God, right? Okay. Like I'm, a re- I'm, I'm really on God. Like, are you really on God right now? Like, right. Just meaning like, am I really in God's will? Like, am I doing really what God wants me to do? Or am I doing what I want God to say he wants me to do? Or am I hiding behind a church standard or a Bible verse mm-hmm. to justify my behavior and what I'm doing and I'm calling it God, right? So there's all the ways we kind of don't do God, but for real, but we say we are. So really on God is like, no, am I really, is this for real? And so, you know, I've had that question myself and I, I'm just, I'm curious about your experience of, I, like I've had those moments um, and one of the biggest moments I've had is to break my heart all the time is, you know, Kayla, right? My wife has said to me, she's like, why? Like, fill the gap for me. Like, why can you help everyone else? <laughs> but you can't recover, mm. right? And I've had some of these moments that I'm like, God, like, God, like, I'm really on you. Like, if I'm with you, what's up? Because this feels hopeless, helpless, powerless. And, um, but I feel like I'm where you want me to go. And it feels like this isn't where you are, Mm -hmm. but this is where you want me to go. But I feel like this is where you, like the math isn't adding up. Like, and so I I don't know if you've had some of those questions, right? You talk about being in your faith. And so tell me, right, like the God side of that for you, like, how has your relationship in kind of dealing with what we kind of find like this a continuing pain that you don't have control over? Um, what has the relationship with God been like for you? Well, I, I, I'm going to, maybe it's a crude analogy, but I'm going to apply it to like marriage. From the beginning, married to my wife, I felt like I knew her. We're in love. It's great. We, we honor each other. We respect each other. We serve each other. A few years, few years in, you realize, hmm, I, we've got to develop this relationship. It's no longer easy. <laughs> it's no longer um, direct, uh, you know, s- simple, straightforward, uh, you know, that romance, that novelty period maybe. We actually have to work at it. We, we're definitely friends and we're, you know, best of, of partners, but we have to be actively engaged in mm-hmm. developing and deepening our relationship because we change and our interests expand or contract or whatever. And I am over the last year, I've been viewing that very similar with my relationship with God. Cause I've always viewed my personal relationship with God is deep. Mm-hmm. I've always felt close with him. Um, and I feel like I've understood him yet. I don't know him that's my path over the last year that has been maybe I I could put it matured Mm -hmm. in a way that, um, that I would have probably, if we want, you know, sometimes I actually hate it when people say, see, that's what that trial was for. Well, I didn't want to go through that trial. I, I wish we didn't have to go through that trial. They don't know what that trial was for. P.S. Anyone listening, that. if some third party person I tells you it. they know why you went through your struggles, stop it's, listening. It's, it's to become closer to God because I, I'll yeah. tell you what, it, I have never doubted God's existence or he is there with me. I have never, never doubted. But boy, I was, where are you? If any time in my life I needed you, it's right now. And it was really hard to feel that uh, that comfort, maybe like we did when we were kids. And yeah. I realized in that moment, 
maybe that's not the way I need to fill it. I need to mature in that experience of God's love mm -hmm. and of mm -hmm. my own patience with maybe getting those blessings or, or whatever. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. It's made me rethink, you know, we ask for blessings a lot, right? And, and I think we should. Um, but it's also very, mm, I want to be careful with this. I, I Maybe self-centered, right? It's bless me, bless me. I need to get help through this. Yeah. Right? Yeah. I, I don't want to misspeak there. I, it's kind of hard well, for me the same to time, God, please take away my porn addiction. F fair enough. P.S. Right. prayer that will never get answered, by the way, if you're <laughs> still trying that one. But yeah. It, and so it, it's more of me expanding my understanding of who God is and how he works. And just because we have faith in him and because God loves us doesn't mean he's going to take away that suffering. Yeah. And I think we, we talk a lot about on here, you know, cause we ask this question to everyone in recovery and profession, you know, it's like, Hey, what, how has God shifted for you? And almost always a theme I've found, like if I were to write a book, right. On like relation is that it's changing God from transactional to relational. And I, and I hear that in your words, right. That it's mm -hmm. like, it used to be like, God, I'm doing the things. How do you help me? Right. And you're like, I realized, and you used marriage or relational mm -hmm. example to compare it. And so I, I thought, I mean, I think that was just beautiful. How you described relationally how some things changed for you. Cause you didn't say God is different than I thought he was in like, you know, God has three heads instead of six heads or one head, or I changed religions or I, you know, it wasn't that who you saw him as identity wise changed, but relationally some mm -hmm. of the changes. Am, am um, I still going to yeah. love, trust, and uh, follow him when I don't feel like his presence is with me? And it, it, and that's not his fault. And I don't even know if it's my fault. It's just life experiences, stresses sometimes. My goodness, that's hard. It's, right. it's like carrying a, a crying baby in church. You, you, you want to listen to the, the talks or the, the lessons, but you're also concerned about your baby. And yeah. it's, it's hard to pay attention. And I believe he's there. And I don't believe, I think one of the things I feel like I've matured in is just because I don't feel that warm, glowing, fuzzy or whatever you want to describe it, doesn't mean he's not there yeah. or that I'm not experiencing his love. Well, and that relationships are gray. Relationships are not black and white. Mm -hmm. So if God were an idol, then it would be black and white. Uh, but if he's a person, well, a real being, then it, there's going to be some great, like he's actually a person. No, so profound. And so the last thing I wanted to touch on as we close here, because um, I think this is one, as I've been thinking in my mind, like, man, what are all the things like I want to give Daniel the opportunity to say, right? Um, you know, Daniel and Danny, right? As you identify him. <laughs> Thank you, yeah. Um, and so like, is there anything that you want to say about like, cause that was one thing we talked about on our phone call. You're like, I just sometimes don't show up the best. And sometimes I do. Cause I feel like when at first I was like, let me be just totally kind, all of leave peace. Then people would go, Oh, the lies we hear about you are true. So you saying being all super kind is, Oh, then he's saying the lies are true. And you're like, no, no, no. Those lies about me aren't true. Right. And even in our conversation, right, I was super point blank. And I'm like, some of the things you called me out on, on this email were inappropriate, right? Like, I'm like, nope, I'm not a coward. So there's nothing about me that is one. We mm -hmm. haven't had that conversation. And you're like, I know I, I do stuff like that sometimes. And I, that's part of my current struggle, right? And whatever. And so like, we've had the conversation. And the reason I'm bringing this up now is because I want people to hear from the Daniel that I now know. 
not the Daniel that they maybe read online somewhere and thinks is harsh, right? So from the Daniel that I now know, right, like speaking to what, like, what has been hard for you to uh, have peace, right, and approach, like in this dynamic, right, with trying to battle all of this in between how do I just be kind versus how do I stand up for myself but not be a bully, like, how have you been, how's managing that gone, right? Because as you said, you're like, I'm not perfect. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. But just to speak into that, because I think people don't realize that that's, like, that's a thing. That's yeah. a struggle. And P.S., it's a struggle that we actually all have. <laughs> so. Yeah. Um, uh, delivery is always an important uh, factor in this. And uh, definitely setting things up uh, in delivering a message, I think, is important. And, and one of the things I have to recognize is, uh, I need time <laughs> in my impulsivity, right? I, I want to get a message out there. I'm passionate about something. And I think it's important for me to recognize that weakness in me. So that's the first thing. Uh, weakness or struggle or challenge, whatever you want to call it, um, in my ability to be uh, clear in my written communication, I'm much better in a presentation. Uh, people see my body language. They get to see me. How do I convey that in in my written message? And and I have to slow that down a lot. Uh, but after that, <laughs> if if I didn't do that well, one of the things my wife reminded me is I teach constantly. Like maybe a little like your wife says, you can help so many people. What I saw happen with you is you stepped away from this concept that you teach routinely, Dan. And that's the four do don'ts and the four do's. And the four do, do and don'ts are this. In marriage, good or bad, getting ready to divorce, it works in all these situations, is don't prove, defend, convince, or retaliate. Be clear, concise, confident, and caring. There's a fine line, and that's where I think I lost myself in this, is to, once you slide over into that proving and defending area, you often communicate or prove to them the thing that they're accusing you of. Why are you so aggressive? Why are you so upset about this? Because it's wrong. Well, if it was wrong, you could just trust that it's wrong and move on, right? Well, I think there's also an important, like we talked about at the beginning, to be able to be clear, concise, confident, and caring, and go in there and say, you're not proving anything, but you say that's actually the wrong message. If you're interested in knowing the truth, I'm always here. Right. And I feel like that, I mean, that that's a clear, cause I feel like the email I got from you was the don'ts mm -hmm. and then and, very much so. And then the conversation that we had was the do's. Right. And mm -hmm. I remember clearly what I said to you, because, you know, once I got the whole story and like I say, you know, the, the one that I relied on the most was our mutual friend, Jessica. Mm -hmm. Right. Cause I'm like, Jessica, tell me who he is, not a decision he's made. Cause if you look at the list of decisions, Stephen Shields has made mm. yikes. Mm big time. But if you look at who I am, I, actually a lot of people do like me and I have people who love and accept me and want to be there. So that's, you know, and I, I said, okay, so I'm not going to look at this email he sent me as who he is. I'm going to see the, who he is as was described by someone who knows him personally and knows him well. And so that's, you know, when we got on the phone that's I'm like, I see all, I see all the don'ts that you've done here. Um, but I think it's cause there's a lot of pain and hurt. So why don't you Very tell me so. about that? And, um, and so what do you, you know, what's one way that you do to either make repair around the don'ts or to prevent yourself from doing the don'ts 
in this, in this current pain. Cause you're right. It's hard. I always say, you know, desperate people do desperate things. Right. Or, you know, when I'm having one of those bad days, I'm going to make bad decisions. Right. And so when you're in that place, when you're in a bad place, you know, what's one way that you, you help yourself not do the don'ts mm-hmm. as you described it. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, or make repair after I do them, right? I mean, either, right, either. And, and again, not to excuse, you also got me just a month or two out of out of the, the hospital. So it, oh, I was totally. still in a very, yeah. in a much better place, but still in a very, very, uh, in a place that I had to back away from. And right, but that's why I'm bringing it up because I'm like, yeah. how do people do it when they're in it, right? When we've backed away and we've had space and we can see clearly our behavior is going to get a lot better. But when we're in those lows, right, like those moments, what have you found is helpful for you? Because it's probably going to be helpful for all of us, right, yeah. of of how to stay out of the don'ts, right, or be willing to make repair. It, and that's where I think your example helped me get there. And, and so... I'm not going to, maybe it's not the the easiest answer here, but I'm not going to say that there's a certain set of rules or procedure. I, oh, I could definitely say count to 10, right? Yeah, right. That doesn't yeah. work for me. Yeah. It doesn't work for me. I think it's important to be able to step away when you can, um, but to trust in in what you know has worked. And that's a hard place and it's messy. And it was because of you. And, and I don't want to say, because this is kind of that codependency idea here, is I, I need somebody like you to be able to remind me that there's people like you out there who are willing <laughs> to say, because I was at a place where no one had done what you've done. So maybe I was starting to lose hope in my own process. Mm. Is this mm. going to work for me? Or am I going to have to fight differently? This was a realm mm-hmm. I was not familiar with. This was a realm and an experience I had no idea how to handle. And I stopped trusting it. I stopped trusting it because no one was reaching out saying, I hear your pain. The way that that was handled, that wasn't cool. But you know what? I know who the real Danny is. It wasn't happening. And I felt very, very Mm -hmm. isolated. Mm -hmm. And I think that's where a community is important. Again, mm-hmm. I, I don't think it's anybody else's responsibility, but you already know the truth of why you do what you do is because we need a community to remind Correct. us Correct. of safety, of what what it looks like well, to be and, healthy. And, and no, I love that. And a community that can be community with us in those low moments. Because I just had, you know, Kayla and I got in a big fight just this last week. And I, I had to reach out to me, my community because I'm like, I am jaded. I have anger and resentment, which I know behind that is pain and hurt. And so I am most likely going to make a poor decision as I enter these conversations with Kayla. So I needed to rely on my community, some of which is sitting here with us tonight, to be like, to remind me, I think, of what you said of like, of, of the Danny, right. Of like who I really am and who I really want to show up as. Mm -hmm. And I think in a lot of situations like yours, it's hard because we're seeing people who are bad examples of that, right. Who are like not proving the hope true. Mm -hmm. And so when we bounce that off a couple of walls that don't hold the hope or hold the values that we hold, we start to go, we start to question our own values. And I, yeah, I just think, I think that was a, a beautiful thing. And, and I think, you know, um, that this has just been, again, you know, an, an expanded 
version of the experience that I had with you on the phone. Thank you. And so the repair I want to make with you here that I think I owe you um, is I, I didn't do any homework and I, I didn't reach out to you to see who you really were. I, I didn't even consider you if I'm really owning my truth. It was 100% about me. And I was like, I'm tired of hearing about this. I don't care who this guy is. I'm done. Done. I don't want to have that another conversation. You, and you're tired Daniel of hearing Bruno's it. Truth. <laughs> <laughs> right. And so so that so that, that's I, the part that I want to own. Like I think, right, repair the IOU um, is, yeah, I, d- I didn't do it with any sensitivity, which ended up being a really bad mix because it's something that's super sensitive, and super sensitive and an open wound. So kind of a perfect storm of like a good time to not be sensitive. And I was. And so I, that's, that's an apology that I want to make to you on behalf of me and everybody on Unashamed because we, I think we're all in the same place. Thank you. So and I'm, I'm, I'm sorry I didn't see you. I, I apologize for how I came across. That was, that was definitely the don'ts. So thank you. Yeah. And what I want, you know, which is right. The reason I want people to have this conversation is that's where this relationship with you and I started. That's exactly what I was thinking. Was in total don'ts of me being like, dang it. Why wasn't I there when we recorded this? Because I could have made sure the episode went the way we wanted. And then I wouldn't be having this conversation with everyone. And then I write me an email stream of people and email for you. And I'm like, I don't even want to hold space for this. I have time for this conversation. I don't know who this joker is, right? You can hear all the judgment, right? And all the meanness. And um, and uh, here we are, right? Like, because again, whatever your mistakes have been past, present, or future, um, there's what we do and there's who we are. And my hope is that as I walk out into this world and I have relationships, I hope that I'm treated for who I am, mm-hmm. not for any single or set of decisions. Because if it's about the decisions, I'm in big trouble. That I can tell you for sure, both past and present, because I know there are still things in my life that I do that are uh, unkind and uh, not trauma-informed and not godly. And uh, that's a grace that I need for sure. So I, I appreciate this conversation, you know, Daniel, of allowing me to, again, right, talk about remember my own values. Um, just a huge opportunity and blessing here for me. And I just, you know, admire your courage of, of again, we had it on the phone, but stepping into the conversation here, um, you know, in a public setting where we could we could flesh it out and, and commune together. So just grateful. So thanks Likewise. for coming on. And thank you. I invite you to follow us at Unashamed and Afraid. Uh, find us on uh, Instagram and Facebook. If you are in need of help, we have scholarships. And we'll pay for you to go to therapy, get treatment, uh, go to the Warrior Heart Retreat we brag about all the time. And so I invite you to go to unashamedunafraid.com slash scholarships. And if you would like to help fund those scholarships, no one here is getting paid. We are a nonprofit 501c3. And you can donate there at unashamedunafraid.com slash donate to help us build more of those scholarships so we can help more people and uh, totally invite you to become an outsider, bold, accepted, and ashamed. Get the bonus content, step into that. You can do that by donating. And if you have enjoyed this episode and want to help the world find us, please go to iTunes, even if you're not listening on iTunes, and give us five stars because that has how the whole world judges us and the math does the aggregate things which decide whether or not we come up in the search bar. And until then, until we meet again, I totally invite you to be you, be your Danny, and continue to be unashamed. Unashamed.